Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence, brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and for today's episode, I sat down with Louise Callanan, Director of Additive Manufacturing at Renishaw, to discuss the engineering firm's AM journey so far. Speaking ahead of Renishaw's 50th anniversary celebrations at the company's facility in Miskin, Wales, the same spot where its Ren-AM machines are brought to life, Callanan talks about 50 years of UK engineering, growth plans, and the next generation of metal additive manufacturing technologies. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive insight, head on over to tstmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the mag and get the biggest 3D printing news stories of the week delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday. I suppose way back when in uh, school, uh, I was always interested in the more STEM subjects, science, physics, all of those. Um, I grew up in Ireland uh, and went to an all-girls convent school um, where I was very lucky that subjects like that were uh, really encouraged um, and promoted and we were um, you know, encouraged to pursue careers in those fields, which I know is not necessarily the case uh, for a lot of girls. So um, that is, uh, you know, a, a different, maybe a different experience that I have to, to many others. So um, it was very uh, natural for me to go on and study engineering. So I studied mechanical and manufacturing engineering at Trinity College Dublin. And while I was there, I worked as a summer student at Renishaw Ireland's facility, um, which was in Santry at the time, now uh, relocated and uh, close to the airport. Um, my, my brother worked there at the time, so it's not necessarily a household name. Um, but I knew of Renishaw from that, um, did some summer work with them, and then ended up doing a final year project with the company. Uh, during which uh, I was invited to come for an interview in the UK um, at headquarters and I started as a graduate engineer then in 1997, so almost 26 years ago. Wow, and you've had various roles at the company in that time. Yeah, so at that time um, we didn't have as structured a graduate programme as we do today, Mm -hmm. um, but there was still the opportunity to move around and that is something that I really wanted to do in, in the early years of my career. So I uh, applied for various positions. So, uh, you know, I started as a design graduate. I had a couple of years of doing a production engineering role in one of our uh, product divisions. Um, And then I had the opportunity to do a corporate role, um, which was kind of a development role, really. But it was a really valuable role. So it took you out of the product division, R&D, engineering world and uh, kind of catapulted you into more of the business side of things. So the opportunity to work on business planning, on kind of group pricing, and and really the most valuable thing, general networking around the group, uh, particularly with the sales organisations at the time. So it was uh, probably at that stage that I knew I didn't really want to go back to a pure engineering role, um, and I much more enjoyed the mix of commercial and technical. I think that's something that's been quite interesting learning being here at Renishaw over the last few days, just seeing um, how well that works, how people in very senior leadership positions have come from internships, apprenticeships, that sort of thing, this real idea of 
nurturing talent very early on and, and people really sticking with the company. Yeah, I think that's true. I think when people join the company, they're sometimes surprised to see how many of us have uh, been here for as long as, as we have. I think that's testament to the company itself um, and what a great place it is to work, uh, the types of uh, culture and values that it you know, instills in its everyday uh, business. Um, and I think really the, the opportunities that arise while you're here. So, you know, the, some of the product divisions that we have today, we didn't have when I started. So, you know, including additive. So the fact that there's always that evolution, there's always that growth means that there's always opportunities. And I think from a, a career point of view, from a development point of view, that's something that's uh, really exciting as an employee. And speaking of additive then, and we were talking earlier today and you were saying you still feel relatively new to additive manufacturing despite being obviously around. I'm sure of the whole time they've, they've had the technology. Can you remember what your first kind of interaction with additive manufacturing was and maybe what ideas you had around what it might hold at the time? Um, yeah, sure. So yes, although I've been at Renishaw for you know, 26 years, I've only uh, recently enough joined the uh, additive manufacturing team. But from being in those other roles, um, you know, earlier on in my career, um, I knew and was aware and uh, had the benefit of using our kind of internal rapid prototyping team um, that was there to support development functions um, and, and some very low uh, volume production. But it was just the excitement from a development point of view of being able to quickly visualize your concepts to be able to iterate those really quickly and ultimately to be able to accelerate the development process so you know without even you know before we had the additive manufacturing product division if yeah. you like as a product line for us um, we were using additive manufacturing internally um, so at the time that uh, we acquired the uh, British company MTT, um, which was in 2011. I was working in another kind of relatively new part of the business for Renishaw, which was our neurological products division. So uh, again, like I said, that, that didn't exist when I started working for the company. So just that ability to diversify and work in other areas was, was uh, really exciting. So um, I knew that if we'd acquired a company in, in metal printing that we'd certainly continue to invest and focus on growing that business. So um, I kind of always knew that additive was going to be be around and be one for the, the long term. So just after we, we acquired it, um, I kind of had three lots of maternity leaves <laughs> between 2012 and 2019. Um, and when I came back from uh, my last maternity leave, I, I went back into a corporate role, um, sort of supporting the, the CEO and the executive committee on corporate projects and initiatives. Um, and it was uh, whilst I was in that role that I was then appointed to the, the AM role. So having started way back in 1997 in a product division, it was actually really nice to return to that environment um, but this time with a bit more of a benefit of 25 years of working at the company under my belt so it was good. And so now as director of additive manufacturing I'm interested to know what you think the future looks like for Renishaw's AM business because I spoke to Sir David earlier who was singing your praises by the way and he really trusts you to, to take Renishaw's additive activity into this next generation. 
Just can you just give me an idea of what that might sort of look like? You know, I am relatively new to the additive world, and I'm I'm very conscious and aware of um, there's lots of people that have have been there from the beginning. Yeah. You know, and have got a lot of um, experience and a lot of expertise in this area. Um, you know, it's it's a steep learning curve, but um, we have got an amazing team here at Renishaw um, who are hugely experienced and knowledgeable in, in all things AM. So um, it, it works really well. But in terms of the future, um, I suppose the, the most important thing really is to say that we're continuing to invest in AM in, in many areas. So um, in our people, in the technology, um, we're currently at our Miskin site in South Wales, um, uh, where we've recently announced our expansion plans for this site, um, and a large proportion of which will be dedicated to AM production. So this is really, uh, really important for us as a team, really, really exciting for us. Most of the team is based in the UK. However, it's really important for our global sales applications um, service groups as well around the world mm -hmm. to 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 see this investment um, and I think that you know that commitment to the future of AM means that we can really start uh, you know attract and retain the right talent the highest quality talent uh, which is massively important to the success of the future as well mm -hmm. so I think it's all kind of linked together um, for the future and it looks good. And when we talk about building on that and, and the new facility is that is that maybe developing new machines or? You know our current a AM production is is on this site um, in South Wales. So this is where the uh, Ren AM five hundred uh, platform products are manufactured, um, and we have a current products design team supporting that here as well, uh, which is all part of the uh, additive manufacturing group. So the you know the future. There's a lot of development work going on on the existing platform. Um, it's important that that. Uh, remains current, that it's competitive, and that we're constantly working with customers and partners to um, evolve that. But in terms of future, yeah, I think, you know, one common vision for everybody in AM is, you know, the adoption of additive manufacturing as a, a viable high volume production technology. Yeah. Um, and we're no different there, that that's certainly from a next generation perspective, that that's uh, where we're really focused and and really looking to make a step change in that productivity benefit and um, cost per part and looking to open up that additive uh, technology to more applications. I'd love to talk to you about applications and as you say it, it's all about you know what, what comes out of the machine at the end of the day and, and the kinds of end users that you get. We've just seen an example of Renishaw extending its partnership with British Cycling and even just walking through the halls today I can see so many examples of additive parts, some that are parts that are going inside some of those Ren AM 500 machines. Uh, what kind of applications or recent projects are, are you particularly excited about? Yeah, so the um, the British Cycling one was was really exciting for us to be able to announce the uh, extension of the partnership that we've had with them for the last few years. Um, and I think that that it it's something that the employees, not just within AM, but Renishaw employees can relate to. Mm -hmm. um, we've got lots of cycling enthusiasts in Renishaw um, and I think it makes them proud to feel that that we're part of supporting um, elite sport with our products. Um, so something that is very much in the public 
I, like I said, it's maybe, Renishaw's maybe not a household uh, name, mm -hmm. but when you're able to relate it to uh, projects or to uh, applications where it, it is something that people can see in their daily lives, then I think it really matters. So uh, we have similar partnerships uh, with uh, others as well. So we've got one with INEOS, um, looking at the, and the America's Cup, um, previously working with Ben Ainsley, um, and we also work closely with Atherton Bikes, which is a, a, a family-run company uh, in North Wales, um, looking at off-road uh, bikes as well. So all of that partnership and working on components that go into these types of products, I think, is nice for the uh, applications team, nice for the employees to, to read about. But, you know, I think the common thing there with all of those is that they're companies maybe in okay in different industries but they're partners to us who kind of share that same passion for technology that passion for quality that passion for innovation and i think that's really what makes those partnerships work very well together um there's a lot of respect mutual respect for each other's area of expertise and i think that's good uh, formation for a partnership mm -hmm. So on the machines um, themselves, and we've got the, the Rene M500, which we've seen being built today, and there's a few different configurations um, of that machine too. And something we're seeing in the additive manufacturing industry is this real um, trend for multi-laser systems. And I know Renishaw is one of the first companies to really do that with this quad laser technology. How do you remain competitive in that space? Uh, yes, yeah, so we know that the, the Rene M500Q is a four laser system. Um, this addresses the entire bed of the machine. Uh, and is the only 250 by 250 platform that, that does this. Um, it's also a very highly in, vertically integrated system, so um, has got a, you know, an intelligent and industry-leading gas flow system, dynamic software and control system, and being able to fire those lasers simultaneously allows us to really minimise build times and increase productivity. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good kind of starting place for the, the Rene M500. Um, However, we know that we don't really want to rest on our laurels and, and we do need to make sure that we remain competitive. And that means that we need to continue to ensure that we're also delivering quality parts in a cost-effective way. So we're, we're continuing to work on projects to improve the usability, to improve the productivity of the current 500 um, platform. And, and sort of evidence of that really in the last little while was uh, we recently launched the Flex version of the 500 platform. So the Flex um, has a much more streamlined powder, powder pathway and this allows customers to more easily change materials. It fits very nicely into our labbed production uh, portfolio where we can go from early material development uh, to then moving into process development on a Flex. Um, and then once you're happy with that, then you can move into your production environment using the um, 500 QRS for serial production applications. And the fact that the, the Flex and the Q um, have the same build environment, the same optical control system, uh, means that this transition in terms of material parameters um, and properties is seamless. So that's been a big, um, a, a big introduction for us to really sort of allow customers to, to move from very early development into production using the common platform. Mm -hmm. 
Um, we also recently launched our uh, optical system verification product, um, which enables uh, and empowers customers to be able to regularly check their optical system. So this is really providing confidence that the system is working within specification um, and can often be a requirement of the regulated uh, sectors. So some developments there um, in on the current platform and we're continuing to work with, with customers, with partners, to really enhance and develop that platform to improve productivity um, and ultimately decrease cost um, per part uh, where possible. Mm -hmm. So from a future perspective, uh, in terms of remaining uh, competitive, like I said, we, we do want to accelerate that adoption of metal powder bed fusion as a, as a, high, uh, a viable high volume production process. And we are working on our next generation of machines um, with a view to increasing that productivity, reducing cost per part further, and just really removing those barriers to the adoption of AM and making it more accessible mm -hmm. for more applications. So that really is working on our, um, you know, we have a Lambda project, which is an ATI-funded project, um, and that has partners, which are uh, BAE, Megit, Haita, um, and that really is looking at that next generation of, of um, moving towards a higher productivity platform. Another big part of today's event was really talking about um, sustainability and Venetia's goals for, for net zero and just some of the changes been made in the, in the new facility are, are really going towards this, this, this big ambition. I know that a lot of times I think about additive as a bit more of a sustainable way of manufacturing, whether that's necessarily true or not, I'm sure it depends on, that, on the application, but where do you think additive can contribute and, and is it as sustainable as we might like to think it is? Um, yeah, so I, I think the benefits of AM in terms of sustainability are probably like long documented. I think it is mm -hmm. one of the ones that, um, you know, definitely uh, features a lot when you talk um, about additive. Um, and it's certainly one of the trends that has grown over the last few years in terms of people's awareness and commitment to actually uh, reducing uh, their, you know, achieving their net zero goals. So. The fact that the process only utilizes material um, that's required means that it's obviously a very extremely efficient process. Um, we know that complex products and um, parts that maybe otherwise couldn't be manufactured, um, or certainly not in one piece anyway, mean that there's the opportunity for part consolidation and, and therefore um, reducing the, the overall number of parts required, meaning less energy requir required to produce them when compared with other technologies. Um, we also know that, particularly in aerospace, one of the benefits of AM is the light ability to lightweight um, components whilst maintaining the strength. Um, and, and that has a benefit in terms of the component itself, but it also then has further benefits in terms of shipping less weight about um, or fuel consumption if it's a flying part. So we know that, that AM has got um, a lot going for it when it comes to, to sustainability. Um, Another benefit is being able to print at the point of use, mm -hmm. um, which is becoming, I think, more uh, more mainstream. Um, however, <laughs> I think there's still a lot to do in understanding the sustainability benefits fully and making sure that we are fairly comparing entire processes and, al and alternatives to AM. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think we're finished yet um, when it comes to the sustainability discussion. But I think for now, AM certainly has a good head start when you compare it to other technologies. Okay.
And we are seeing a, a few more examples of it, life, life cycle analysis in additive manufacturing at the moment. Do you think that's something that maybe you, you'll look at going forward, maybe to, to see how some of those processes fare and some of those particular applications? Yeah, certainly. So again, as part of sort of Renishaw's own um, internal uh, commitments to sustainability, then life cycle analysis is something that we're looking at within all our product uh, groups, so including AM. So yes, I think as we go forward, we'll we'll learn a lot more on this. And I think with the push at the moment, I think the key thing is that we're going to learn this a bit quicker than um, maybe we have been in the last little while. So a lot more focus on it, um, which is good. And so you talked then about some of the opportunities for, for additive manufacturing there in terms of sustainability. Speaking very broadly, where do you think the biggest opportunities really lie for, for Metal AM? Uh, so I think when you're looking at, at additive manufacturing, it's really trying to work out the, the picking the right parts that are optimized for the process that can really get the benefits um, of the process. So um, I think for us, you know, aerospace and medical are two industry sectors that are very important uh, for us. And they're quite early adopters of additive manufacturing. And I think that's because they have genuine, um, can see genuine benefits for the parts that they're producing. So making sure that those functional benefits, whether or not that's for aerospace, that is um, to do with thermal management, um, whether or not for medical, dental applications, it's better also integration of, of uh, materials. Um, but there's also then additional operational and logistics advantages once you've got the functional benefit, um, which we know are things like the part consolidation, um, light weighting, mm -hmm. and really that, you know, being able to print a point of use is, you know, all of these add up, I think, to being why additive manufacturing is already quite an accepted process within certain industry sectors. But I think we're now starting to see a little bit of a, a uptake and a bit of a change and it potentially becoming more viable viable for other sectors. So consumer electronics is definitely one um, where that's more focused on maybe the price per part. And I think that's back to having productive systems yeah. and being able to compete with other manufacturing technologies to open up those applications um, and really make them viable. Yeah, price per part really is the the, 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 the holy grail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And earlier today, you did talk about some of the other challenges with additive manufacturing. You know, you mentioned things like certification and qualification, and I think there was also a question earlier today just about the general um, trust and acceptance around additive parts. And um, what do you consider to be the to the biggest industry challenges that just maybe aren't been talked about enough? Yeah, I mean, I think you've kind of probably mentioned them all, and I suppose that shows that they all are all being talked yeah. about but I think they're um, problems that are probably going to be better solved together mm -hmm. rather than everybody trying to individually solve them so certainly on the qualification and validation it, it feels maybe a little bit that because of the maturity of the technology that we're not quite there yet and that everybody's um, having to do things in a subtly different way, very bespoke, and, and maybe coming together um, to try and tackle that one uh, co collaboratively would be the, the right approach. Um, the, the other one uh, that we did talk about a little bit earlier on is this kind of cultural 
um, side of things, maybe, or educational. Uh, so where, you know, a lot of the tools today and a lot of the training today is all around subtractive manufacturing, you're really looking at trying to get a complete mindset change um, and get engineers and designers to be thinking additively um, from the start. We know that it's quite difficult to take a subtractive part and then just make it additively. It's unlikely to meet its criteria if you do that. But if you've got something that you can design um, from the get-go additively and you understand your um, criteria and your constraints, then I think it stands a much better chance of, of succeeding. But that, that needs to come all the way through the, the education process. And I think it is improving. I think a lot of schools now have got 3D printers. Oh, yeah. um, we internally have a, an education outreach programme where we bring... Um, school children primary school children and secondary school children into we've got one in uh, this site in Miskin in South Wales we've got one also in our headquarters in Gloucestershire where we can bring children in um, at an early stage get them interested primarily in STEM subjects but that includes looking at 3D printing Mm. Um, and then hopefully as they go through their education process it becomes the norm and it just becomes part of their tool set when they leave that it's not it's not necessarily to replace traditional manufacturing mm-hmm. but there is a place for additive and it's making sure that they're well equipped to be able to identify that and then execute it when they move into a more kind of design role mm-hmm. later on just touching on something else that you said then just about um, working together with you know um, other processes, other technologies but with added to solve additive manufacturing challenges and just something that I found really fascinating today walking around uh, this facility is just all, everything that's going on here, there's this additive and you've got a lot of, all the measurement, everything that goes into all the CNC stuff, there's, there's so many different facets and I just wondered how much collaboration is there between Benishaw's additive manufacturing activity and then say it's metrology expertise because we talk a lot about the digital thread moving forward and how in order to make sure that additive is as digital as possible, you really need to have that traceability of a part end-to-end. So it, is there a lot of collaboration there? Is there a lot of, of cross-learning? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think we're pretty unique in terms of um, our offering um, and being able to uh, deliver that end-to-end process. And, and we definitely see um, additive manufacturing fitting in really nicely with our core technologies and our core expertise. So we often talk about um, the fact that we can offer this end-to-end process um, when we're talking to customers, that depending on their requirements, that we've got gauging products, um, we've got machine tool products, we've got final inspection um, products uh, that we can offer the lot, basically, depending on and tailoring to um, our customers' uh, requirements. So we, we have at, at exhibitions more recently focused a bit more on that total Renishaw offering mm-hmm. rather than it just being the additive manufacturing um, aspect of it and from a sort of geographical perspective if you like all of our product division R&D resource is all located together mm-hmm. so um, you know our as are our respective sales organisations it's not a separate entity the additive manufacturing it's embedded completely within the Renishaw ecosystem right. So, you know, communication is very strong and, and ultimately, really, it's just about being in the best position to offer that customer the right solution for their problems and to meet their requirements. 
rather than it just being a sort of very isolated AM activity. Mm-hmm. So we're here today celebrating a, a really, really nice example of a UK success story for, for engineering manufacturing. Um, and the UK is actually a real hub of a lot of additive manufacturing, particularly research coming out of universities and, and technology centres, that sort of thing. What, what do you make of um, the UK's current adoption rate for additive manufacturing and maybe even adoption of Renishaw's technology in the UK? Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, I think the UK has always kind of led on innovation and I think additive manufacturing is, is no um, exception. So we know that we've got these early adopters in aerospace, in medical, dental, but we're definitely seeing other sectors follow now and start to become, we're starting to become more competitive with these traditional manufacturing technologies. So we're also working closely with um people like the Catapult Network, so um, we have machines up at the AMRC, we've got machines at the MTC, um, so I think all of that really is just trying to support that growth in the UK and that adoption in the UK, mm-hmm. so it's there's a lot of activity um, going on between industry, research organisations, government, academia, all of that is ongoing, so I think in terms of the adoption rate, we would definitely say that we're seeing some growth in that in the UK um, and we certainly believe that that should continue. So April 4th marks the 50th anniversary of Renishaw which is what this this week has has all been about and so I'd love to know where would you like to see additive manufacturing in even just another decade? Uh, Yeah so 50 years it does seems like a long time so I've been (laughs) here for more than half of it um, which is which is good Um, and I think you know, it's it's really important to talk about why Renishaw has been so successful um, over those 50 years. And I think, you know, I suppose being very embedded in it and part of it is maybe hard to look from the outside in. But I think all of us would feel that um, our co-founders, so Sir David McMurtry and John Deere, um, both of which are still active um, in the company, have been a huge positive influence on uh, employees and on the growth of the company. And, and I think, you know, our, our uh, strap line is apply innovation. And, and I think it's, it's definitely more than just a strap line. It's something that's completely embedded within the company. And it means that it gives us that ability to um, challenge the status quo, to always be pushing um, technology innovations forward and and really looking at the future in terms of the long term Uh, and that's definitely been something that as a company we've always done and we've got a proven uh, track record of doing that with some of our earlier product lines as well that are now very established so in terms of where additive manufacturing will be in another decade or two I think it's it's about really more about Renishaw Um, we're we're a part of that uh, family and we can offer that end-to-end process and I think that really is uh, where we bring something different to to anyone else. So whilst AM seems relatively new for Renishaw, we're in our 12th year at this stage, we're not really the newbies anymore and, and, and our long-standing history shows that we have got that track record of, of sticking with um, new technologies that we've invested in. So we're just a member of the Renishaw team um, that's how we see it. We see it being an area that will continue to grow. 
and that we'll definitely establish ourselves at the table alongside our more traditional manufacturing technology product lines, so industrial metrology and position measurement. Um, but I think the key thing for us is the overall success and growth of Renishaw, um, I think, which we're very confident about.